0: sometimes just you know around who was the first person to be contacted is, is often uh, the mother and I think that it kind of came as whoever was first to respond was also there there to do it.
1: On today's show we are talking to Geraldine McCarthy, the Chief Revenue Officer of the Sonio, a company who are helping European SMEs unlock their productive potential. So we're talking all about HR, culture and also women in tech. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage. It's the podcast brought to you by the Harvey Nash Group. Enjoy the show. Today, I'm joined by Amber. It's Friday morning. Amber was out drinking last night, so don't expect anything particularly special from her on today's podcast.
2: No, you shouldn't anyway. (laughs) You shouldn't expect anything special every week, but even more so today. Um, Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit
1: fragile. Uh, What did you drink?
2: I think the question is, Dave, what didn't I drink? Um, oh, really? No, no. Oh, wow. It, no, it wasn't quite that bad. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be on my laptop this morning. Um, what did I drink? Um, it is what... a
1: work day. You can't just skive it.
2: No, no, exactly. I have to watch what I say here, don't I? Um, <laughs> so it was quite... Obviously, it was nice and sunny at the start. And then it kind of got a bit sort of um, a bit cloudy. So when it was sunny, I was having pims, Naturally, you know, nice summery drink, nice and fruity. Yep. And then... You know, as the weather changed, my my drinking options changed as well. So I then went to, I think it was just white wine. Just, yeah. Oh, I, I, well, I, I, yeah, I mean,
1: actually as well. That's quite classy.
2: Mm, then there was some gin and tonic. There. Then there was a lot of classy. other things. Yeah, there was a lot of things kind of thrown in the mix. But like I say, the, the drinking choices went with the weather. So it was, um yeah, it, it, started, it started nice and then it all got... um not so nice but anyway i'm here i'm i'm surviving i'm so you're actually
1: doing very well if that if that was me i mean <laughs> for for other reasons that are very boring that can't be me but if that was me i'd be dying the last time i got drunk i think i had about four beers and threw up in the garden the next morning oh nice yeah that's called that's called not drinking very regularly and getting a bit older <laughs> In fact, oh. I think I've probably told you this, but um, it was quite bad. Uh, I sat on the sofa and for absolutely no reason cried at Strictly Come Dancing.
2: <laughs> You've never told me that. I love that though. I, I love wife. that. I'm so, I'm, that makes me, it sounds really awful, but that makes me really, really happy. That oh, I, my- know, I do strange things like that. So I'm glad I'm not like the only one.
1: No, my wife looked at me and she was like, What the hell is wrong with you? And I was like, oh, I have no idea.
2: What was it um about Strictly Come Dancing? Was there like I ha- I a particular know. dance or song it, or
1: it must have been a, a particularly moving dance and my um hungover, slightly fragile state of mind for some reason made it made it touch me in a way that it normally wouldn't.
2: Oh that's beautiful well <laughs> and then you were sick in the, the garden to follow
1: i was sick in the garden first and then i cried Ah,
2: okay okay
1: yeah it was a whole world of, of embarrassment
2: <laughs> well my night wasn't quite as crazy as that but um i'm really I had four that- beers
1: or something you know like this wasn't a crazy night but your, your night sounds a lot more fun <laughs> yeah
2: because you drink a lot of the um what is it like the the weird flavored like alcohol-free beers now don't you like didn't you tell me before well, I, drink, like,
1: I just drink alcohol-free stuff now yes but... but but
2: they like you showed me some really weird flavors before you said about like there was like a was it like cookies and cream or something or am i making that up
1: no no so rhubarb and custard um, oh there we go that's probably... coconut peanut butter oh god
2: i think that in itself would probably make me feel sick that like uh, that I combination of them. flavors.
1: Coconut-flavoured beer is not so much for me. I've decided that's a no-go, but... Um,
2: what about peanut butter? Yeah.
1: Mm, nah. No. Rhubarb and custard, really good.
2: Mm, okay. I can't say I'll you give it a try. Cost- yeah, I'm not convinced. I probably won't give it a try, but yeah, I'll tell you. Your must, word you for must
1: have, You must have tried the odd fruit beer.
2: I, um, I can't say I have. I've tried some of the really? weird, like... I, I like fruit cider, and I've tried some of the weird ones. Like, there's, like, What is it? I think it's like strawberries and cream. Um, I I just think cream in an alcoholic beverage just that doesn't sound right. It just shouldn't be a thing.
1: It's a recipe for a bad night. Yeah. Uh, Right. Anyway, we've we've been chatting for four minutes about About rubbish. (laughs) Yeah. So. Let's, let's switch over to technology before we lose our audience entirely. Uh, today's guest is Geraldine. She's from Personio. We're talking all about culture, HR, women in tech. We'll hand over to the interview. We'll come back with some commentary afterwards. So today I am joined by Geraldine. Geraldine, you work for Personio. How are you this morning?
0: Yeah. Hi, David. Uh, it's great to spend time with you today. I am good today. and um, feels like somewhere's in the air. So, uh, yeah, that always helps me feel a bit better.
1: <laughs> Obviously, you have a strong Irish accent. Are you based in Ireland?
0: Yeah. Do you, you think my accent's strong? <laughs> I don't think it's too strong, well, um, to some people in Ireland. But, yes, I am based in Ireland. Um, I'm based in Dublin most of the time. Um, so usually I'm spending a good bit of time across Europe, um, but I've been pretty grounded over the last year of yeah. COVID. So, yeah, a lot of time in Dublin at the moment.
1: It's funny, isn't it? We always think that our own accents aren't particularly strong. My wife was mortified when um, she went to get a vaccine and the nurse said, oh, you've come from 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 up north. Uh, and she doesn't think she has a particularly strong Mancunian accent. But she does. Anyway.
0: <laughs> Called right <laughs> ace.
1: <laughs> exactly. So, look, you work for Personio, as we said. What, first of all, what do you do and who are Personio?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so Personio are an all-in-one HR solution. Um, and our focus is primarily on European customers and European businesses, um, because we feel like that, that that's a market that hasn't really been very well served over the last uh, couple of years. Um, and we're primarily focused with uh, SMEs in that uh, segment. Everyone defines SMEs differently, but we define um, SMEs as businesses with less than 2,000 employees. Um, and so that's where we focus, and that's where our attention has been over the last while, and will be in in the future. And um, so we're we're building up our presence. Our HQ is in Germany, but we're building up our presence all across Europe at the moment. Um, and as for me personally, I'm the chief revenue officer. And um, what does that entail? Well, on a day to day basis, I lead the sales, marketing, and go to market partnerships team. So it's a pretty broad remit, but very much focused on the commercial side of the business.
1: Hmm. So look, an all in one. HR software app for SMEs, what are the features that that those companies are, are looking for in particular that make them go, yeah, this is a service that we want to use?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there is probably a couple of things that that businesses are looking for. So you think about an employee life cycle, and it pretty much uh, Personio pretty much manages that employee life cycle. So everything through from uh, recruiting um, and the whole recruiting process, right through to onboarding. So you, you hire people, um, and then from there, um, managing through their through their employee life cycle. So whether it's around performance and development, or even making sure people get paid at the end of the day, and then. Right right through to um, if people leave to have that process that runs smoothly. So it's pretty much, uh, you imagine the life cycle of an employee in a business, no matter what length that is, that the whole process gets run in a very smooth way. Um, And I think in particular where you see, you know, those processes changing, so recruiting to onboarding, onboarding to becoming an employee, they can be a little bit frictionful or have friction in the processes because they're kind of moving across different teams or have different stakeholders in them. So having that streamlined actually can really unlock a lot of productive potential within businesses as that becomes much more streamlined um, and how they do that.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned productive potential because productivity is something that's been much debated over the last year and Are we in a more productive environment or less productive environment because of the situation where so many staff are working remotely independently? Um, That need to prioritise people as we emerge out of the COVID crisis or fingers crossed we emerge out of the COVID crisis. What impact has that had on, on Personio and some of those services that you're offering your clients?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I th- I think that kind of productive focus has really impacted a lot of businesses. And I think we've gone through this like very broad cycle over the last year in terms of what that looks like. Um, and certainly from talking to businesses across Europe, um, I hear similar trends from a lot of them as we've gone through. So I think, you know, you think back to like last March, April, which seemed like a lifetime ago already, and people were pretty much, you know, battening down the hatchets, figuring out ways that people could work remotely um, and and make that work in an effective way. And I think there was this huge boon of productivity in terms of people using their commute time into working time and you know having maybe access to tools that they didn't have access to before, which has really helped them to be productive. Um, but I think as you've gone through the year, there's just been a change, both in terms of people spending a lot of time uh, at working, sometimes you know, in very isolated uh, situations or by themselves, Um, but also quite often just only using technology rather than having that um, face-to-face interaction. And um, so I think as we're kind of coming through the other side, you are seeing that more pent up demand for people looking for more of that social interaction and kind of that human camaraderie that <laughs> us as humans <laughs> long for and kind of need to have to as, as, as people and as humans in terms of that social connection. And I think there is kind of a buildup for people who are looking to get that, no matter what way that might look like. That might look like going back into the office or it may look like having gatherings and then going back into more kind of remote work. Um, Certainly from a productive potential, I think businesses have called out that um, they have been much more productive during the pandemic, but actually a lot of employees have said that they were less productive. Um, And there's quite a gap between what businesses say and what individuals say. And and that for me actually is a slight flag um, because I think maybe the employees are, are feeling that earlier than the businesses see the impact. So I think it's certainly something that businesses will need to keep an eye on over the next while.
1: You alluded there to the fact that there's a number of different models and a number of different approaches to the the future of work for companies, you know, how often we are in a social setting versus, you know, how often we're going to be working remotely and and what that hybrid looks like. What's your own kind of perspective on on the direction of travel? Not necessarily what you think it should be, but what appears to be happening.
0: Yeah, I I think there's so many different models coming out right now. And, And I think what's actually going to happen is a lot of businesses are going to make decisions for what's right for their business. And I think that's going to depend on the type of business that they're in. So the types of employees that they have, the type of work that they do. And, and what their requirements are so I can imagine you know there's just some work that has to be done in person and there's some work that's much more easy to do um, remote um, and so I've, I've seen you know and again from talking to a lot of businesses across Europe just very different approaches in terms of what they're doing so you know on one you've got two ends of the continuum which is one is everybody's back in the office five days a week to the other end of the continuum which is you know everybody is going to be 100% remote and we will never have another office again and um, between that, there is a whole load of uh, other options that people are looking at, and that includes things like allowing people to opt in for having working in an office a couple of days a week, or it may be about using office space more as a space where you come in to collaborate together, and then you go back home to do your your work separately, and um, right through to having kind of hubs, you know, maybe outside of the city centre, so people don't have to commute as much. And so I think, is there one direction of travel? Probably not. But I think there's going to be lots of different flavors that come out over the next while. And and as people experiment with it and and learn more what works for
1: them. So we've had this explosion of ideas and explosion of different types or potential types of working. And it seems to be at the minute, like you said, kind of driven by uh, a company, driven by what they think will work for their business, which is entirely understandable. But do you think there will become a shift where actually it's employees voting with their feet saying, this is the kind of environment we want? You know, it's all very well that a company says we're going to go back to the office five days a week, but people might demand a certain level of remuneration to continue with that style of work that may become either unsustainable or create pockets where there's just, you know, all right, I'm gonna add it in the same way that maybe someone would have agreed a job in the Middle East ten years ago on a huge contractor rate, uh, and they kind of were away from home, but the 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 payoff was that they were going to earn a lot of money in a short period of time. Could we see that with companies that are going to say back in the office five days a week?
0: Yeah, look, I don't know specifically on remuneration, but I I do know that we are um, looking at, you know, people are very clear about what their expectations are over the next while. And we recently ran a study across Europe um, where we surveyed over 9000 employees across Europe um, and over a third of those, it was 38 percent of them said that they're looking to change role in the next. Six to twelve months. Um, and what was interesting was remuneration didn't come out as the key reason for that. And um, the key reasons that came out that people were looking to move was either that they felt unsupported in the current environment. So maybe they felt that, you know, potentially that is about wanting to work remotely or wanting to work in an office. And um, so that was one where they felt unsupported. The second was having a sense of belonging um, and affiliation with the culture that, um, their look, that they're working within. And then the third is having recognition from their manager. And so when you think about those three things, what what we found out from the survey that we conducted across Europe recently was that remuneration was not one of those drivers for people looking to make a move. Actually, it's much more focused on um, how people feel engaged and the culture and the workplace that you're creating, whether that's remote or or in the office.
1: Now, one thing that unfortunately uh, has come out of the pandemic is this um, realization that it is negatively impacted women uh, more so than we might have hoped. Um, I know that you have the opinion that women need to be bold and to take risks to make themselves available for opportunities. What is that kind of line of thinking coming from predominantly?
0: Yeah, um, it is something I, I feel pretty passionately about, probably because I've experienced it <laughs> myself in my career too. Um, and, and I still see it um, with with lots of, of women in the workplace. And um, I think, you know, there's certain times in your career where you need to just believe in yourself and to make some bold, maybe non-obvious moves in your career to get you to where you want to be in the long run in your career. Um, and often I think, you know, women don't have a lot of other female women, senior women to look up to um, in the workplace and say, OK, well, that's the type of route that I want to take or that's the type of leader that I want to show up as. And so particularly for women, I think they have to almost carve out their own path and, and find their own way. And that does require uh, sometimes making some non-conventional moves, but also uh, having that sense of boldness and belief in, in what you're doing, and um, both in terms of the choice. Choices that you make um, and also how you show up um, in, in the workplace as well.
1: And um, <clears throat> female mothers in tech, again, if we, if we have a look at that role, of, it seems to be unfortunate that during the pandemic, that some of those gender stereotypes around kind of family norms and what people do, the, the childcare aspect of it, the education aspect has, has fallen uh, unequally. On women, which to me seems bizarre. I'll be perfectly straight with you. Um, I I know many men and fathers who are loving being at home with their children and being more involved in their lives and have turned around to their businesses and gone, I want more flexibility, I want more of this. So what's going on there? Why, why is this is is it is it just different cultures around the world when we kind of say that that female mothers and and, and that reentrenchment of, of gender stereotypes. Is it is it naive of me to think that it's maybe places other than the UK or the Western world where that's happening, or is is is, is this happening across society regardless of where you're based?
0: Yeah, I, I think the last year has been really interesting from that perspective, and I think there's probably so many factors in there. Um, I'm sure there's many sociologists studying it and looking through it at the moment. Um, I'm I'm a working mom as well. I've got three kids at home, so I've definitely experienced um, all of that, all of the pieces that you're talking about there over the last year. Um, and I do think the last year has been really interesting in some ways, and um, because in some ways I think um it's really empowered women um you know maybe to particularly in remote environments maybe to get roles that they wouldn't have got before so um maybe where they felt like actually they didn't want to relocate um or that they wanted to do something in terms of keeping balance between uh, their family and their work life um, and it's given them opportunities on that side so i think there there has been some positive things particularly at the early days and um, but i do think you know when things were very tough during COVID times and when schools were closed when child care facilities were closed and um, there was very much uh, you know I think a focus sometimes just you know around who was the first person to be contacted is, is often uh, the mother and I think that it kind of came as whoever was first to respond was also there there to do it um, and so I think there, there has been a lot of things that have been happening uh, over the last year some of them have been really tough for women and I think the figures show that actually in terms of the burden of childcare and the burden of school care that women took on during COVID time has been considerably more um, than what their male counterparts have done. Having said that, it doesn't mean that there's lots of men out there that that don't want to do it, Um, but there is probably a whole societal uh, force around it that makes it very challenging to just to to switch the needle in a very intense situation, I think, like we saw uh, during COVID. So, yeah.
1: And whilst, you know, as you've alluded to there, and as we've already kind of stated, the the last year has been difficult for women. You believe that the shift to hybrid can offer a more flexible working approach that does offer a new dawn. And is that is that simply because hopefully schools will be open, childcare facilities will be there. That pressure to be maths teacher, geography teacher, English teacher, as well as doing your own job will be alleviated somewhat.
0: Yeah, look, I'm an optimist. So I will caveat by saying that I'm an optimist and I I will always look for for the positive things in terms of how things are improving. Um, And I, I can I can at least from what I see in terms of the types of roles that I have seen women taking over the last year, particularly at like mid and senior levels, there has been opportunities for women in a way probably that there hasn't been before. Um, and I think that's because there's been an openness to um, higher talent, not really with so much of an issue where where people were sitting. You know, didn't matter if you were sitting in the outskirts of London or right in the city centre of London. You uh, you could still be equally positioned to get a job because of that uh, remote setup, which I think is going to continue on in, into the future. Um, you know, and for 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 a good long time into the future. So I definitely think that is that is the positive side. And yes, I think so long as the uh, schools remain open and we have a a somewhat (laughs) normalised or normal existence over the next while that that should provide more opportunities um, for women. Having said that, though, and it goes back to my first point, I think, you know, it's up to women to take those opportunities and and to be bold about them. So, you know, to be really clear, to say, well, look, I can be in the office three days and there's two days that I'm going to work remotely or these are the hours that I am committing to do that because these are things that I want to do around that time. Um, It's very much a personal choice, I think, for women around what what it is that they want to do to make it work for them. But I think also having clarity themselves around where their priorities are and what's important and then making that clear to either their current employer or future potential employer and and finding a way to make that work can provide a lot of opportunity for people.
1: Now, one last thing that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, SaaS is growing. It's bizarre. We've been talking about cloud for Five, 10 years as being this big area of investment. And it just seems to keep being this big area of investment. And I suppose there's an element that there's a lot of SME businesses who are looking to unlock their potential who maybe are first time tech adopters. Um, what challenges has that presented, though? Because you must be dealing with some organizations who are not necessarily uh, technically savvy in terms of. Understanding what what's possible and what's not possible with with tech as it stands today.
0: Yeah, I think there's there's probably a lot of things in there that's that's happening in the in the world, and I actually go back to this time last year where we were right in the throes of uh, the worst parts of COVID, and everybody was very very locked down. Um, and I think many businesses outside of you know collaboration tools, which I think went into the first wave of. Uh, solutions that people adopted because people literally needed it to, you know, be in touch with their colleagues and to to have ways that they could collaborate together. That was probably the first wave. Um, But I think from there, there was also a very clear focus from people um, and understanding that, you know, they needed to move forward with their technology stack if they were going to be able to work effectively, whether there was another lockdown or any other type of serious you know, issue or, or a problem, that crisis that arose um, for businesses to be able to deal with um, and people would not be able to get into the office. And cloud is really the only way that allows people to do that. So I think in some ways where people had been maybe talking about stuff and it, it sounded great, um, the last year has really crystallized to people that having that information and being able to access it no matter where you are is, is so important. Um, and so I think maybe where SMBs who weren't as tech savvy in the past Um, They really, I think, had to learn over the last year to to focus on the areas that they want to have access to information at any time. So as I mentioned, collaboration tools, of course, are important, but making sure that you have access to your employee data and that you understand what locations people are in, that you have your employee numbers, and and even more probably important, that you can pay your employees at the end of the month, I think, has become a really critical factor for, for a lot of businesses. Um, And so I think that has that has really crystallized. Um, And and there is a ton of other trends, I think, that are happening in the the SaaS world as well. Um, But I think for companies to really focus on what are the most critical areas that they need to focus on adding value or using solutions that can help help bring them forward first and then from there building up. You don't you don't have to go zero to 100 on, on digitization. You can do it step by step.
1: Well, look, Geraldine, it's been a fascinating opportunity to chat to you. I'm really glad that you gave up some time today, so thank you very much. Uh, and I hope that 2021 continues to go in a positive direction.
0: Thanks, David. It was great to talk to you t- today also.
1: Right, there's plenty in here that I think um, I think is, is massively on song with, with how everyone is feeling at the moment. Um, obviously, we were talking last night that you were out you were out because you'd gone into the office to see colleagues and you know um Geraldine talks about isolated working only using technology and there is that need for camaraderie and human interaction and I think that's that's entirely true um but I do think her comments around um women applying for jobs that they wouldn't have um especially in that mid to senior level and more openness to hire there's some really interesting insight in that
2: yeah definitely. I think with your first point about like camaraderie and stuff like that, I think going into the office makes such a huge difference. Like you said, I was in the office yesterday, obviously worked from home, and it was actually my second time in the office this year, but it just I don't know. obviously, I think lots of places are having that like that hybrid model. there's the flexibility. obviously people are still embracing the new way of working, but just to go in and see people. It just breaks your week up. It just, there's different conversations that you wouldn't have. Like sometimes obviously going onto like a Teams call, it's so structured and it's so formal and it's very much, I think we've had this conversation before, like you just get to business, have the conversation, jump off the call. There's no chit chat. There's no, how are you? How's your day? Like checking in with people, seeing how everyone's doing. So just to be in the office and just have like natural free flowing conversations and it'd be quite back and forth. It's, it's so like, it's just so refreshing. It's, um. You know, I almost feel like when I go in it just kind of like tops me up again, and I sort of feel recharged and sort of raring to go, but yeah, I think so I can completely agree with what what like what she's saying there, but in regards to sort of the the obviously the second point that you mentioned, yeah, I think a lot of um a lot of women are obviously like you said applying for jobs that they probably otherwise you know wouldn't have done so, and I think that's only a good thing um yeah, I mean why not? Obviously, like, you know, we, we should, you know, go for roles that we, you know, be ambitious with things and, and sort of go for roles that we might have not done so before, because as she said, there's got to be a point in your career when you take those risks and and you just sort of throw yourself in at the deep end. And I guess with a lot of things, it's it's like sink or swim, isn't it? You yeah. give it a go and you see how you get on and, and you just kind of, you know, you have to sort of just back yourself and sort of trust in your abilities and your experience and the knowledge that you've gained.
1: I mean, there's a mo- there's a lot made, isn't there, about the gender pay gap.
0: Mm.
1: and it not really being a gender pay gap there's um oh, i can't remember the, the name of the series but on netflix I, I think it's just explained isn't it but they have these short documentaries mm. um that are like 10-15 minutes long and there is one on the gender pay gap and it points out that it's not really gender pay gap at all it's it's a motherhood pay gap and the you know women who have promising careers going you know, probably in a better tra- 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 can't say that word, i been drinking trajectory than their husbands um suddenly have to make that choice between family and career. Mm. And it probably comes at the same time, and I think there's something in what Geraldine says here about it doesn't really matter if you're in central London or you're a bit further afield. Um, we migrate out. When people start families, they leave the hubs where typically careers are and go further out to suburbs or the countryside because they're looking for more space, they're looking for better schools, they're looking for that balance. So every decision is stacked against Mm. the mother traditionally carrying on that career. But the flexibility that we now have and the openness to hire people regardless of location is meaning that, Yes, although there have been some difficulties for women over the course of the pandemic, if you are optimistic and you look at it through the prism of opportunity, there may well be better opportunities for women to continue their career and not to lose out in that mid-senior to senior level and, and carry on where previously perhaps they would have had to have made a decision.
2: Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's, um, I mean, you've obviously, you've moved out of, of London as well. I mean, you must see like loads of families and stuff where you are obviously because it's it's nice it's rural it's open and as you said like loads of people have made that decision and they've they've obviously moved outside of London for for their families and like you said that shouldn't be a disadvantage and mean that they can't get jobs and they're sort of like inferior or like their second choice or you know they they're not going to be the person that gets the job just based on those sort of factors um so yeah i think that the fact that there's more flexibility now is is like an amazing thing because you know why should that that shouldn't take away from your skill set basically you know if you are good for the job then why should your location or you know having to go and move outside of london to support your family why should that sort of be a factor that's kind of marked against you yeah. um yeah I mean, I mean, I think she made some some really good points, and like I said, obviously, you must see loads of families around your area, Dave, so it's you know it's definitely happening, it's happening more and more because of the pandemic. you know there's no reason for people to be in London paying like crazy prices when they can live a little further afield, have more space, more freedom, more you know fresh air, open air, you know people have enjoyed going and and sort of seeing their local surroundings and stuff now, so um yeah, lots of people are making that move
1: even from my perspective like obviously we we don't we don't have kids um but we wanted to be closer to my nephews and my sister and brother-in-law and they're just down the road so it was kind of a family orientated move and we wanted a bit more space mm. but there was that thing in your head of like at the minute um travel costs from zone 4 were reasonably slight if we move out to the the came countryside travel's mm. going to go up but at the minute yeah. because i don't need to be in the office any more than a day or two a week, actually, you're at that tipping point where it's not that expensive to go in once or twice a week.
0: It yeah. becomes
1: expensive if you have to go in three days a week. You may as well get a travel card.
2: Oh and yeah, yeah.
1: The economics of the travel and where you where you locate yourself make it trickier. And I think I think for some people, it's then that that um, that balance between. Do I need to keep working? Childcare? All of those other kind of factors that come Mm -hmm. into it. Therefore, does it make economic sense for one of us to stay at home, to look after the kids? Because if we're going in, we're having to pay X amount out on travel and all of those other bits and pieces that because you don't need to be there all the time, because you can perhaps be completely remote or one or two days a week. There's not those pressures, there's not those hard choices that people are having to make, mm. and they are being able to actually go, no, I, I want I want this particular lifestyle, but it doesn't mean that I can't have the career that goes with it too. Um, but I do think it's really interesting that Geraldine makes the point that, that, and I think this is true of men and women, but where, where it comes to the hybrid working model, but women need to be bold and they need to have clarity, mm-hmm. you know, Companies are setting standards and policies, and and they will set expectations. But there is an onus on on employees to have a strong enough relationship with their manager to say, "These are my working hours, or this is when I'm going to be here." You know, as mm-hmm. so long as you get the job done, as so long as you're productive, as so long as you're happy and you're contributing, you should be able to set out some stipulations on your side. There is there it, it is an employee-employer relationship. Mm-hmm. They are not just it's not just a one way one way direction of traffic anymore.
2: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there, because I think, like you say, if you're doing a job to the, a high standard and you're getting everything done and you're doing that within sort of set hours that work well for you, then why should you have to then, I don't know, stay online or, you know, sort of, I guess, kind of be there for the sake of it almost, you know, if you're doing the job and like I said, it's, it's to a high standard and it's, you know, you're meeting deadlines, targets are sort of met as well, then yeah, you, you shouldn't just have to be there and, and sort of just be present, just just to kind of tick boxes and sort of just, um, yeah, just sort of, it, it, I guess obviously they're still your employer. So of course you have to sort of do the job and you have to sort of...
1: Well, yeah, of course you need to deliver.
2: Yeah, exactly. But like I said, there shouldn't be any sort of reason why you should just do it in, in their hours. Like you said, if you've got that good relation for relationship and it's, it's back and forth and you can have that kind of open dialogue and stuff and say, look, this works around my schedule, this works well for me, then yeah, like I, I think that's that's kind of part of the new way of working, right? Like people should be embracing that. And um, I think there's a, there's a few companies that are doing that now. I know PwC, one of them, that they are doing flexible hours where you can start where you want, finish when you want. It, like, again, it's just if you do the job, to a good sort of standard then there's no kind of stipulation to be online till a certain time um Mm. and I think it it just it reflects well in 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 everyone doesn't it because you know you're probably working a lot smarter rather than harder and you're probably a lot happier as well which means again you're going to be sort of wanting to go to work you're in a better mood you're more positive um yeah, I, I think it's it's yeah, sort look, of the way, I, way everyone thinks going now, isn't it? There's that flexibility.
1: I don't feel guilty if our neighbours pop over for a drink at five o'clock and downing tools for an hour if I'm then catching up on stuff in the evening. That's my choice. <laughs> I don't need to be there from nine till six. You should have that flexibility and that trust.
2: Yeah. No, I completely agree. It's um, <clears throat> That's a big part of it, like it is about the trust, isn't it? It's um, massively, you know, if you've got someone sort of constantly looking over your shoulder and sort of micromanaging and sort of telling you that you have to be here at a certain time, it just sort of adds to all the pressure, doesn't it? Whereas if your employer sort of is is happy, like you said, they trust you and they sort of just give you a task and let you sort of go away and sort of get on with things. Again, it's just a a much sort of happier and better working environment. So, um, yeah, I mean... It's uh it's only a good thing like I say the the pandemic's kind of sped everything up which is amazing. Hopefully it's got, got us
1: further down <laughs> the way to got us further towards the destination we should have been at a few years ago. Yep, exactly. Right, that's all we've got time for today, Geraldine Uh thanks for coming on. Sonia, thanks for being our guest. Amber, thanks for joining me this morning. I hope that you make it through the whole day.
2: Thank you. I might <laughs> I um I'm not sure I will to be honest. Um but thank you. I'll, uh, I'll see how I get on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and everyone else, have a lovely weekend.